Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to this EM360 podcast. My name is Ross Hurley and I am a content creator here at EM360 and I'm joined today by Luca Primorano, Chief AI Officer at Napier and also the CTO of Napier, Nick Poltalski. Welcome Luca and Nick. Would you be able to give a bit of background on yourselves please? Hi everyone, my name is Luca Primerano. I'm the Chief AI Officer at Napier and at Napier I focus on all the research and development activities, working with clients and universities to look at um, how we can solve our clients' anti-money laundering-related issues using the latest artificial intelligence and machine learning technologies. I'm an engineer from Politecnico di Milano, and uh, my background is mainly in investment banking. Hi, I'm Nick Potowski, CTO here at Napier. Um, I'm responsible for the product teams and the engineering teams. So we uh, we design the product and then we build the product and deliver it to our customers. Uh, my background is in computer science, um, a long history working at small organisations that then get bought by big organisations. Fantastic. I know that uh, Luca was talking a little bit there about anti-money laundering technology, and that's what we're going to be talking about in today's podcast. We're going to be talking about the complexities of AML technology, anti-money laundering, and customer activity monitoring software. So would you guys be able to give us a little bit of a background on what Napier is uh, and what Napier does as well, please? Yes, certainly. So at a very high level, we describe ourselves as, a, as an intelligence compliance company. Um, kind of getting more real, that means we, we design and develop products uh, to, kind of, to help our customers fight financial crime, detect terrorist financing, uh, primarily in the anti-money laundering space. Um, we're, we're five years old. Uh, we like to think we've brought quite a lot of new ideas and new approaches to the market over those five years. Uh, myself and Luca were, were actually founding members, and uh, when we started, there were four of us um, in a corner of a, a shared office. Um, over the five years, we've grown to, I think we're now 115 people, um, and we expect to, to be over 200 over the next 12 to 18 months. Um, and from that one shared office, we now have offices in London, Kiev, Kuala Lumpur, Sydney, New York, and Dubai, um, and have over 200 customers. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been quite. Uh, you know, Luke and I were talking this morning about it's really not that long ago um, that there were the four of us in a dark corner of an office, and then suddenly you turn around and there's nearly 120 people around the world. Um, so from that point of view, it's been quite a, quite a journey and quite a success. Um, we are a product company, so we, we build software products and then license those to, to customers, either for installation in their own environment or more commonly uh, as a managed service in a hosted environment. And those products uh, operate across the compliance lifecycle. So that's uh, transaction monitoring, transaction screening, client screening, the customer activity review, ongoing due diligence, um, all those all those good things. And I'd say our goal really is to, to kind of unify end-to-end AML processes. Um, so rather than having five different uh, products from five different organizations, um, our customers can, can buy solutions across that lifecycle and they then integrate and data can be used across them to do a much better job at uh, detecting suspicious behavior. Um, we're trying to integrate the kind of the traditional rules-based um, approach to anti-money laundering with a, a much more sophisticated uh, machine learning approach and recognize that you need both. It's perfectly acceptable to say you need both. Um, and, and then I think that the key thing is actually as we, as we get into AI, making that accessible to non-data scientists users. You know, it's great having a real depth and detail of AI, but you need to make sure a compliance officer can use it and understand it. And, and those three things kind of form the, the core of what we're trying to do. 
Exactly. And I'm sure as well, having that kind of accessibility is, is, is a lot more useful for a much wider audience in that case. You know, if you've got a company that doesn't necessarily have the equipment to learn how to configure AI for itself, making it accessible, making it easy to use can ultimately make their company safer by strengthening those AML defenses. Yes, I agree. I think this is a significant value um, that I believe we bring to the market in terms of making sure that all of these sophisticated techniques around machine learning that were previously available for, you know, the biggest clients, clients that had a data science team available to help them solve anti-money laundering related issues. But now those type of solutions can be available maybe for for smaller organizations and organizations that don't necessarily have the resources to put in place machine learning program and uh, uh, investigate data issues and understand how a risk assessment related to their customer can be generated using machine learning and uh, this, this kind of artificial intelligence-based techniques. Compliance officers need to need to understand what they're looking at. You know, the, the, the best AI can, can identify uh, a customer and say, oh, you know, this person is doing something unusual, um, but it's not enough for, for that just to be a flag. Um, and th- this idea of consumable by AI or, or AI that can be understood by a compliance officer and expressed in their in their language and their domain um, is really important because otherwise um, the system ultimately won't be that useful because they, they won't know the, the next best action to do when the system highlights something. Yeah, absolutely. And we're talking about some of the challenges that a lot of companies have when trying to strengthen their anti-money laundering defenses. What, what, what are some of the common challenges you, you often see companies face, aside from just the deployment side of things? So I would say there are some organizational-related challenges. When we work with organization, especially the, the biggest organization, we see challenges related to their data, the quality of the data, the, the fact that the data that has transactional information, client information is scattered across multiple silos, multiple systems, data storage, and therefore it's very difficult to get access to the right type of data at the right time. We also look at challenges related to processes. For example, you've got multiple functions within organization trying to work on a case which span you know, different departments and it's not necessarily often easy organization to to work on those complex cases and also we we've seen issues or challenges related to technology you know combining legacy technologies with in-house software to detect money laundering is not uh, often easy if you look at challenges that are across every single layer within an organization you can always think of the challenge in detecting risk so Two trillion of dollars are laundered every year in the world, and less than 1% is recovered. It means that there is a huge amount of money laundering that goes undetected, which uh, generates what we call false negatives. You've got all of these systems generating alerts that analysts have to review, and 99% of these alerts are false positives, and the majority of the risk is hidden. Uh, in data and in processes that are not uh, triggered by this legacy solution. So in terms of challenges, we also think one of the key challenges our clients are facing today is the ability to generate a risk profile or risk assessment for their customer based on 
all of the available information, all of the available transactional data, and therefore almost unify this kind of risk profile based on customers and, and assess them and focus the energy of their analyst only on those customers that retain the highest level, the highest amount of risk. Yeah, that's really interesting. Something I wanted to clarify there, you, you said something, was it $2 trillion are, are lost every year through money laundering? Yes, that's correct. It's an estimate, but it's quite reasonable if you consider um, organized crime, um, uh, tax evasion, uh, you know, uh, drug cartels and so on. This is, you know, almost the same as the GDP of Italy, which is huge. And of that, I don't know, less than $20 billion um, are recovered every year. Wow, and so much of this can easily be fixed, I guess, by management of data. Well, I say easily be fixed, but uh, I, I guess if it was, if there were common solutions to this, then uh, we wouldn't be in this situation right now. So, what what are the, some of the common solutions that you often see when trying to address these challenges, and how successful are they usually? I think technology is always up there, and I think actually just going back to the the kind of the, what are the challenges and how do you attempt to address it? As Luke said, the, the amount of money here is vast, so you know there is a uh, it's almost an arms race on both sides. You know, cl- clearly the the money launderers will invest significant efforts in in getting round solutions, um, but I would say certainly over the last. 10, 15 years, um, technology, you know, the, the amount of data that is there, the number of people involved, um, the uh, the number of messages around the world means it becomes a technology problem. Um, I, I think technology is not always, not always been implemented very well, um, which can sometimes then move the solution to people. And there are banks that have very large numbers of people spending every day going through a very large number of false positives. Um, And that's either because the technology hasn't been able to narrow down what they should be looking at, or the problem's quite hard. So it becomes a very broad filter. And then you need people to effectively run a process because your process says you will look at at these types of alerts. Um, So, you know, common solution technology, actually, the common solution is also people. the other challenge has been um, that the solutions tend to have been put in piecemeal over time. You know, this is a highly regulated area. Regulations are brought in and regulations change over time. Um, and solutions tend to get kind of siloed in when there is a new regulation. Um, so you end up with systems that are not hugely well integrated. Um, to Luca's point earlier, you, you've maybe got data across an organisation that isn't being shared and information isn't being shared. I mean, inevitably, people put spreadsheets in place. You end up with a bespoke set of processes and workflow. Um, and over time, you've got this, this tangled web. Um, and I think recently, um, there's been the the view that, well, AI can solve this. You know, AI um, certainly um, four or five years ago was seen as something of a, a general panacea. You know, AI will fix it. Um, let the machine work it out. Um, and I think what we're seeing is generic AI um, can actually just be part of the problem as well you know it's a solution people have thrown at it um, with some successes some failures um, and we're starting to see that shifting into more ai aimed at the specific problem Um, so um, they're the you know they're the common solutions i'm sure the the listeners would recognize uh, a number of those i think in terms of how successful luca i think you've got another statistic around how much we spend which might give an idea as to how successful they've been 
Yeah, it's quite interesting because if you look at financial institutions, there was a research done, I think, a couple of years ago. that was estimating that financial, the financial services sector is spending $180 billion a year on anti-money laundering, of which 60% of this is around people, employing people to work on anti-money laundering processes and, uh, and policies. And if you think about it, you invest $180 billion a year to recover less than 1% of money laundering. This is clearly a proof that overall anti-money laundering is not really successful and we need to do better. That's 1% of that $1 trillion. Some pretty whopping statistics there, if I'm honest. I, I like what you were saying there, Nick, about it being a kind of um, arms race to see who can uh, actually have the technology to navigate around anti-money laundering or, or actually get be successful with money laundering if, if you're the adversary here. What challenges are you seeing that are shifting now? with the implementation of more AML technologies. Um, do you see a new set of challenges on the horizon for your customers? I, I know that the, the challenges that we've seen before already don't seem to be being addressed as well as they should be, but do you see any other new challenges around the corner or, the, or that are existing right now? Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing challenges related to the quantity of data that our clients are dealing with on a daily basis not just transactional data, but unstructured information such as emails, uh, news, messages. All of this information could potentially hide criminal activities. So dealing with such a huge amount of information is non-trivial at all. We're also thinking uh, uh, in terms of challenges. If you look at anti-money laundering regulations, the scope is changing quite uh, quite frequently to look at you know different type of organization different type of processes why because criminals tend to adapt very quickly and therefore uh, a key challenge for our clients is making sure that they can adapt to the change in landscape uh, as quickly as basically criminals criminals do and then we have a set of challenges related for example to how different systems can be integrated and, and different processes can be integrated to basically continuously assess the money laundering risk within an organization. And uh, we've got uh, you know, some of our biggest clients that um, have to deal with hundreds of systems and therefore uh, it's quite uh, challenging. Finally, I would say there is also a set of risks, as Nick said at the beginning, related to the fact that uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning is becoming more and more diffuse, and therefore uh, you've got challenges around how do you integrate machine learning with your workforce, with your systems? How do you make sure that the outcome your machine learning is generated can be explained and understood by analysts? Um, how can you make sure that the way you implement machine learning is ethical, it uses the right amount of information, the right, the right type of data, and then it generates an outcome which is delivering uh, value to the business. I think the the world has also changed as well, and um, possibly even accelerated over the, the last year of the pandemic. In that there is there is both an expectation that things will happen more quickly. You know, I can I can click on a website and have stuff delivered this afternoon. You know, we're a long day from please allow twenty eight days for delivery. Um, and I think within the financial markets, the ability to uh, create a new account to move money, there's an expectation 
that you can do these things instantly. Um, and if you're a, if you're a bank, if you're providing these services, uh, you know it's it's a competitive marketplace. Um, so you need to be able to balance the the need to to meet expectation of how quickly you can uh, onboard a new customer, how quickly you can uh, move some money. Um, versus your your need to comply with the regulation, um, the, the kind of the, the digitization of the world, um, the the new products, you know, e wallets, um, all of the online gambling, um, the ability to get a get an insurance policy and then cash it back in, you know, all all to be done much more quickly has also opened up many more opportunities for money laundering. Um, and as I said, you know, people people it's an arms race. People are looking for ways to do this. Uh, that means the regulators um, will bring in scope more and more types of business more companies fall under the the money laundering regulations um, and that's new for them Um, so the challenges both shift in terms of the the nature of what they are but also the number of organizations that that come under it Um, and um, some of those are quite new areas that need new solutions um, to 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 developing it so it it never um it never stays still Um, so there's a there's a constant shift because People are always looking for new ways to to launder money, um, and that that can be new products. Taking advantage of you know even taking advantage of the pandemic, you know people can't walk into a bank and, and prove who they are visually anymore. Um, and then technology can come in and try and balance it out the other side by putting in solutions in place. I think it's especially true that organisations have a lot of demands that they need to meet from customers when they a customer can much easily go to a competitor if they so choose. So trying to comply with uh, regulations, I guess, is not really the highest concern. And it makes sense that a lot of cyber criminals would be agile at this time because, it, I mean, it's a trillion-dollar industry by the looks of it, money laundering. And and if, if hardly any of it is getting detected, it looks like it will continue ramping up. And if, if, if an organization is focused on trying to meet customer demands, I mean, that doesn't leave a lot of time to deal with AML defenses. The other interesting challenge is obviously that in a world where regulation is the same everywhere, obviously you can get competitive advantage if you can comply with regulation but do it more efficiently. But also, you know, I could open a bank account or I could move money anywhere. And that starts to mean the difference in regulation. Both can drive money launderers to particular territories, um, but from a competitive point of view, that that becomes difficult because yes, I could, you know, I could offer a service in a particular territory and comply with all, all the regulation, but I am competing with people in other parts of the world who may uh, have to, uh, you know, they may have more or less regulation. Um, so this this concept of the you know the world being a much smaller place, which is a little bit of a cliche, but that really does start to drive behaviour um, and mean that it, it's much harder for a kind of a level playing field. Yeah, exactly. It's not there's not a homogenous set of regulations that 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 spread across the entire world. There's different regulations that different banks have to comply with, which makes it much harder to deal with the situation as well. So that kind of brings me on to my next point, which is, I guess, if we're trying to adapt to an agile adversary, AI. AI, uh, there's been a lot of talk about AI being a solution to a lot of problems in the compliance space. Is that true? And what is your approach to AI? So I would say that, in my opinion, AI should be at the center of every uh, solution in the compliance area um, because AI is great at providing a different point of view, a different risk assessment of your customer, and uh, is great at improving efficiencies of processes. So imagine you have multiple machine learning uh, agents that can run through billions of transactions 
and can extract risk quite quickly based on a set of patterns that have been learned over time, which is something that, you know, an individual or a rule-based system will take longer. And uh, uh, this is an, an incredible way to use artificial intelligence, right? Um, dynamically assessing risk from transaction, from unstructured data, and it's great. But there is a kind of a, a risk in applying AI uh, to this type of problems. And it's like uh, you end up trying to use AI um, generically as opposed to focus on a problem and, and use artificial intelligence to solve as a specific problem. We, uh, as Nick said at the beginning, there is a risk of um, using AI as a commodity um, to, for example, detect anomalies or identifying outliers in data, is that these anomalies and outliers could be generic. It could be not necessarily linked link to money laundering risk and therefore may create waste in your processes, may create more false positives, and therefore more waste of time for your analysts as opposed to helping them. Our approach is, is kind of simple, is, is working with organization to first making sure that they get the basic right. We get their transaction, their transaction are in, a, in, a, in the best kind of quality for then uh, uh, the machine learning to be able to extract value and, and detect risk from them. Um, we, we sit down with clients to configure machine learning to uh, help them identify specific patterns or specific areas they want to focus on and making sure that the outcome generated by machine learning can be explained in, in, a, in a simple way. Obviously, these algorithms could be quite sophisticated and uh, um, you know we need to be realistic here and not every organization has got four PhDs or, you know, mathematicians that can look at algorithms and outcome of algorithms and therefore make, make a judgment call based on, on this. We need, therefore, to translate the outcomes for compliance analysts, for uh, anti-money laundering users and officers, for them to uh, be able to make an informed decision when they investigate a customer or where they do a, a deep dive on a specific uh, set of uh, transaction. We believe that um, one of the key challenges in this huge amount of data that every client has to deal with is that not all transactions should be monitored equally. So we had some legacy anti-money laundering solutions that uh, you know tend to apply the same rationale, the same criteria across all transactional data, but we believe obviously that, you know, uh, some specific transactional data, such as transactions where the risk is very low, such as, I don't know, transaction to HMRC to pay taxes, should uh, pose a lower risk compared to, for example, cash transactions or, or cash or transactions towards high-risk jurisdiction. And therefore, your machine and machine learning approach should be able to generate uh, different assessments and uh, uh, produce outcome for analysts so that they can focus only on where the real risk is. I think as well, the, one of the problems with money laundering com companies, and I think this is what you were touching on there, is a lot of the time they try to use this kind of one-size-fits-all glove, which doesn't really work in, in, in a world with multiple different sets of regulations across different areas of the globe and different demands from different companies as well. Yes, that, that's correct. And, uh, um, you know, the ability for a system to be flexible and be able to de be deployed based on uh, the context is something that we think is really, uh, really important for our clients. And when, um, when we talk about AI and, and models, 
the territory is the size of the customer. The type of transactions, the type of customers can be can be quite different. So this, you know, it's back to this um, one size fits all doesn't work. And even two uh, two organisations that may on the surface look the same, actually the way they that their risk appetites, um, that the types of their customer can lead to quite different outcomes. So the the AI both needs to be focused on the um, in this case anti money laundering, um, but then also what what does the, what do the customers customers do, and what are the models, what are the what are the features, what what are their compliance analysts looking for? You know, they've got a lot of specialism within that uh, within that team, um, and that needs to be used in conjunction with the AI to uh, to help them do their job. You know, to get to get rid of the noise and let them focus on what they as an organization want to be focusing on. Absolutely. Uh, just to wrap things up, guys, I want to see where do you think the, the industry is going to go next? And what do you think the future of AM, uh, AML will look like? Um, it's going to change. Um, the, clearly, as, as we've shown, there's a there's a huge amount of money um, in in money laundering, um, and therefore it uh, and there's a, there's a lot of products and new approaches that come in. So it will be under continuous change, um, and there's a competitive edge to be had both in being a successful money launderer, uh, being uh, a bank that can uh, deploy solutions that meet regulation very efficiently, um, and also from a supplier of AML software. I'm um, clearly having a, a good reputation, good solutions gives competitive edge. The challenge really is that the volumes are going up significantly. The number of customers, the scope of organizations that fall under AML regulation, and particularly the number of transactions. Um, and I think that means the future becomes uh, both much more risk-driven in terms of identifying which of your customers represent risk, where should you be dialing up the monitoring, um, but also in how often you reassess that risk. You know, you can go back and a, a customer onboarded as low risk might be looked at every three years, um, which gives them a huge opportunity to do things in those three years. Um, that should be continuous. The, the ability to um, transact almost at any time of day um, across a whole range of products um, at high volume means that your view of a customer um, and what they're actually doing can change very quickly. Um, so an ability to pull in data about that customer, not just the information you hold as a, as a bank, but also going to third-party sources, pulling in data about their counterparties. You know, Who is my customer transacting with? What do we know about them? Building a network that allows you to start to identify the various parties um, and doing that in, in real time or near real time so that you can quickly identify that a customer is now behaving in a way you weren't expecting um, or in a way you've identified as risky. And the moment that occurs, really ramping up the amount of monitoring you're doing, bringing analysts in, highlighting as a customer for enhanced enhanced monitoring um, and, and using that as a way to, you know, to kind of get rid of the noise. So I would say... Uh, the future holds it has to hold more of a risk-based view the volumes are just too high to apply you know one size fits all and secondly using uh, the data you have available and the data available from third parties um, to get a much better view of your customer and use all of the models we've been talking about uh, to really identify uh, who the bad actors are you know the, the goal clearly from a, from an AML point of view is to be able to uh, hold up one customer and say this person's doing money laundering, these 99 million aren't. Um, will we ever get there? I'm not sure, but there's a lot more information available and a lot more models that now give you a much better opportunity to work at a customer level um, and identify that bad actor. Also, it's interesting because um, 
I was having a conversation with a client a few weeks back about artificial intelligence and the hype around artificial intelligence. And uh, the question was, uh, will we ever get to a point where uh, this artificial intelligence will be able to detect the crime before it happens? If you remember something like uh, Minority Report, a dystopic world where you can spot criminals before they become criminals. Obviously, in my personal opinion, I don't think we'll ever get there. I don't think we will get to an AI that is capable almost of, you know, predicting the future before it happens. But our objective is to get to a point of maturity within artificial intelligence, within machine learning, where these tools, these algorithms can detect and recognize the signals that may be linked to criminal activities, to money laundering, and these recognizing signals, uh, a detection of uh, unusual behaviors uh, will be more and more efficient and more and more effective compared to where we are today. I think that the final point on that, and this maybe is more, you know, when do the regulators get together, is that uh, any any one of our customers, you know, be, be they a, a bank or a payment provider, sees the data flowing in and out of themselves um, clearly, a sophisticated money launderer builds a network um, and is moving money between large numbers of, of banks around the world. Um, and eventually, there will have to be a focus on um, the kind of the, the meta view of that um, and having organizations feed to a central provider. Um, and you know, if, if the world is serious about anti-money laundering, um, there is a point that an integrated data set between all the banks um, would have to become a reality, and you know, we're a long way from that. Between before countries start sharing that sort of information, um, but but eventually, I'd see that that's where the future goes. Absolutely, and I think looking at that seriousness of uh, anti-money laundering software is is exactly what Napier seems to be doing very well. It's uh, recognizing the risk that could occur and have been occurring, and and using AI to navigate around that. So, thank you very much for joining us today, guys. Thank you very much, Luca, and thank you very much, Nick. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, guys. If you want to learn more, you can just type in Napier.ai in your URL. Um, and if you want to become part of the conversation, please follow us on Twitter at EM360Tech or on LinkedIn at EM360. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Enterprise Management 360 and we will be back next week with another EM360 podcast. But until then, check out all of our latest content at em360tech.com.